This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vols. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton, and I'm here, as I always am, with the wonderful, the sensational Jackie Vors. Jackie, as is tradition, how are you this fine Friday afternoon? I'm happy that it's Friday. <laughs> I love a Friday. I'm the same. I adore a Friday. I like, I mean, the thing is, is that it kind of just makes work that just like little bit less it's substantial a and easier. To the week, especially if you had a good week and you're sort of looking back on the week and thinking, wow, what's gone on in the last week? And so much in this week that's just gone on. I'm a bit super excited about. You listen to me, listeners of ours, on the sort of aftermath or in the aftermath of me having just reserved a house with my lovely wife. So Ooh. that's been my week. It's been pretty weird uh, and nothing may <laughs> come of it. And if it's anything like my life thus far, it may be full of hurdles and, you know, sort of ins and outs and weaving away. But um, yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm I also very, very... to make you a chair, Lyle, for your new house. Please do. That is actually <laughs> such a shout. Yeah, that would be amazing. Pride of place right as you walk in. Please do. I completely forgot. I should have texted you straight away being like, do you mind just making me a chair? Yeah, I think yeah, it will really go down well with Alice, my wife. Please yeah. make me a chair. Um, I would love to. Um, I'm actually really excited about this week's episode of the podcast. Well, this episode, just myself and Jackie on this occasion, and I realised that we kind of have a series within a series for this podcast, which is, you know, we speak to guests and we sort of speak about the variety of different industries and spaces PR is involved in. But we also have that mini series of just specific types of PR. And we've tackled crisis management, uh, which is a fantastic episode. And we tackled QGate within that episode and my enduring love for David Beckham. And we also <laughs> spoke about recently in a recent episode, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, um, social media, online PR, social media PR and social media communications. I was reading this week, though, that an area of PR and communications that's often overlooked when it comes to analysing the different types is internal comms and how you communicate with your own team, how you speak to and liaise with the members of your team and how you keep kind of morale and motivation high. And so we're doing an internal comms episode. And my first overarching question, Jackie, to you is what has your experience been of internal comms, both in terms of being on the receiving end of communications from higher ups in mm -hmm. an agency and organisation, and then obviously in your capacity now as being the one who kind of is the one who puts the strategy together, puts the mechanisms together yeah. for an internal comms. I mean, what's been your experience so far? I'm so glad that you came up with this topic because it wasn't one that I came up with at all. Mm. And it is something that we in external comms all too often forget about or ignore. And I am not an internal comms expert. There are actually agencies that specialize in internal communications and Believe it or not, if you work in a large company and you, you know, you spend ages moaning about the company intranet and things like that, you think, oh, nobody knows what's going on. Usually there's been quite a lot of thought put into these platforms and systems that have been created to promote very good internal comms. But you know what I'm going to say, Lyle, it all comes back down to preparedness and to your planning and to your messaging. But I do actually believe that a lot of messaging should start with working with your people internally 
and before you even start to think about communicating what you are externally you should be working with your people inside to work out what your message is and is that authentic to you as an organization and your company because your people are your first they're your first foot soldiers of communication they're the ones that are talking about what you're doing about your company about your product or your service they're the first line of defense or offense if you like they're the first messengers for your company so for me internal communications is really should be really integrated and at the heart of any external communications campaign because the two don't necessarily work without um, each other in harmony and I have worked a little bit with internal communications when I worked with the law society when the law society was dividing into three it was originally just one great big society but there was too much conflict of interest going on so it sort of divided into I think it was the consumer complaints into the solicitors regulation authority and then the law society itself and working with the law society on internally communicating within the society but then also communicating with the solicitors who were technically also internal comms before we even communicated that shift and that change outside but internal comms crosses so many different things as this well it. it's you know yeah. it's not just about how you promote yourself or your company it's also about consultation about company change what you know what if you're you know going to move the company somewhere or if you're going to open up new facilities it's a massive subject in itself. and and i suppose as with all types of communications and all types of pr messaging and staying on message is a really crucial mm. part of internal commerce, something that I imagine is quite often overlooked. I mean, you mentioned when it comes to working in external comms, you sometimes forget to transfer facets of your external comms practices and strategies into internal comms. I mean, ironically, maybe not ironically, in fact, I think actually brilliantly, in our crisis management episode, you spoke about the situation you had when you were running some crisis management for, mm. sadly, that, that member of the team who lost their lives in the factory. Mm. And because of all of the sort of fallout from that, there were changing of hands of the business. There were people who were made redundant, people who lost their jobs. But whenever they were leaving, you mentioned whenever they were leaving the site and they were sort of spoken to by the media, they were nothing but glowing about the company and the business yeah. and how they'd been treated. And I imagine that was as the result of a great internal comms mechanism 100%. and atmosphere. I mean, that particular company was incredible at mm. bringing their silos of and it's a very large corporation but bringing the silos together to talk about communications so in large companies you've got your hr teams you've got your training teams you've got your all sorts of different teams who would contribute to the message and have their own view on shaping a message but i think the best way we can talk about internal comms from our perspective is when you start considering communications and how you help people communicate the message in the right way so i'm going to sort of assume that you know what your message is and i think the first thing is to consult first to run that messaging by your people so i could go out and i could say Dimoso works with the most influential political people in the world and i and, and i'd say to my team right you have to tell everybody that you know we we work with all the best politicians 
and they'd all go well that's bollocks you know if we don't work <laughs> do i have to go out and say that that, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't resonate with my world so it's really important that whatever message you decide that is for your company that that really does resonate and that you really have buy-in so i think yeah the first thing with with anything that you want to communicate externally you have to see how that resonates internally yeah when and it comes usually, to what, yeah and and the problem with messaging is you can't really ultimately do it by committee because it's such a nuanced thing you know you have to control that flow yourself you have to say listen it's either this or this or this you know <laughs> you can't give everybody a carte blanche and say what do you want to say about us because it will never get said and no. nobody will ever agree so you yourself have to sort of have a kind of a good eye on your room so to speak and know mm. what your audience would like to hear but i think that's the first thing is consultation making sure that what you want to say really resonates with your people and how does one go about doing that in a kind of a contemporary setting because i imagine we talk a lot about evolution and i feel like a broken record saying it but i think it's still important to kind of labor this point if labor is even the word but the idea that business and how we interact with one another and the various touch points we work on and engage on with a consumer and the various sort of platforms you, you as a business person in whatever industry you operate within are asked to go out and work in. There are so many now and people are coming to a particular industry with so many different sets of skills. How do you evolve the way you get across that message internally to such a diverse workforce such a diverse in terms of their skill set in terms of their backgrounds in terms of the angle they're coming they at their do. yeah what they actually do and the angle they're coming at their position with you know what i mean it's kind of that's that's a challenge in and of itself right because it's you kind of want to stay yeah, on well, message but it, it's that's hard. why messaging is such a, an amazing skill mm. to be able to to do it it's it's actually you know i always say to all of our clients you know, before we even start on a, a, an engagement, we need to do your messaging and positioning. And the exercises I put them through and the kind of things that we do in, as part of that messaging and positioning seem quite simple and they seem quite common sense. Mm. But it's actually the orchestrating of that, picking up on one of our, our last conversations with, with Peggy, uh, it's mm. pulling all those different strands together to really understand different aspects of the organization that you're working with. So hopefully once you've done your messaging, the messaging should be able to cross all divisions and all areas of the business. Interestingly, when we were doing that division between the, in the law society, we were splitting that company into three. Wow. So we kind of had to do a messaging and positioning for each entity. What's the law society now? What's that message? What's the solicitor's regulation authority? What's that message? And that was quite a, a tricky thing to do because some of them were still holding on to some of the roles that they'd previously held within the old law society. So when you're changing your company structure or when you're restructuring, messaging and positioning is super, super important, even if you're not going to talk to the external world about it, even if you're going to keep it totally secret, really important that your people know what they're working for, what they stand for. I mean, recently I've seen a company sold off from a very large company into, um, to a private equity firm, numerous hundreds of people going with that sale and creating a whole new firm. And nobody knows what that company stands for. 
Mm. Nobody knows its values. Nobody knows its mission. They got all the the merch. They got all the T-shirts and the logos and the branding and the you know the nice pens and the notepads. Not one person told them what that company stands for, what they want to achieve, where they're going, and they will. And this is my my. I'm not going to name names. But from my perspective, that's not a way to start a company or grow a company if, if the people no. who work for the company don't know what the company stands for. Quite literally all um, the gear, no idea. Absolutely. You know, it just looks like a lot of corporate willy-waving <laughs> and not a lot of thought and empathy for the people who are working for you. That's mm. why internal communications is so important because important. it's about motivation. It's about belonging. It's about spirit. It's about innovation. It's about all the things that you want your employees to be and feel about where they work. And let's face it. Sorry, I'm getting onto a bit of a rant about this. No, I love it. Let's face it. You know, we spend a third of our life working for an organization. When I look at my employees, I think, my God, I'm lucky that I have people who are dedicated to working to this cause, who are, you know, really uh, hardworking, wanting to, to do their very best job. But they know what we want. They know what we want to achieve. They mm. know that, you know, what we're aiming to do, because I make sure that we are very inclusive, we have a very flat structure, everyone has an opinion, everyone can contribute to what we're trying to do. Nobody, our internal connect, communications is strong because we talk a lot. Mm. And also because we have the infrastructure in place where right from the start, and let's just talk about the, you know, the physicality of communication as well. It's all very well having these highfalutin messaging decks and everything else and knowing what's going on. But if you don't have a method of disseminating that information, consulting, as I just said, for engaging, finding out what the reaction is to that information. If you don't have those platforms, those methods, that physical distribution, you're buggered. Mm. So, you know, not only do you have to think about what you want to communicate, why you want to communicate, you also have to think about how. Yeah. going to communicate it so if you just look at a little organization like us we have closed forums and open forums we have the cloud-based communication system that we use we've talked about the fact that we all rem remotely work yeah so our communications have to be really top-notch amongst ourselves to make sure that everybody feels included uh, recognized and you know that they can work as a team so you've got your sort of physical digital infrastructure in terms of you know having channels set up that people know that they can tune into or they can check on news and stuff like that then you've got your own sort of physical meetings that you do to make sure that everyone's updated on news that you know you have a, a way of making sure that whether that be a physical in-person meeting whether that be um, a Slack channel, whether that be email, whether it be a newsletter, there has to be distribution mechanisms and they have to be varied. Yeah. You can't just sort of sit back and go, yeah, 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 we've got a company newsletter. That's <laughs> enough. That's all right. We've got great internal comms. Newsletter's great. Do you read your newsletter? Yeah, 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 I read it. No, you don't. You read the headline, you skim it, and you think it's the same old boring shit. I'm not going to read this anymore. <laughs> so you, just like we discussed in previous podcasts, yeah. you've got to have multiple touch points. 
and yeah. talk to people on a level talk to people engage with them yeah how they how you would normally engage with anybody else i don't send it well some people do send a christmas newsletter actually i do actually quite like reading people's christmas newsletters so <laughs> uh, you don't send a christmas newsletter to your family and right. you know we spend more time with our employees and our work our working colleagues than we do with our family yeah so, you know, you've got to think about all these different multiple touch points of communication as well. And is it not the case as well that when it comes to those multiple touch points and how you get that message across internally, the stronger that message is, it seems like a loaded question, seems like a fairly obvious point that I'm stating. The stronger that message is and the more dynamically you can get that message across to your internal team, the more dynamic they will then be as a result externally. Do you know what I mean? They are an example of great comms internally. They deliver great comms externally to clients there, you know, I can always tell when I engage with a business. And like I said, at the top of this episode, I've just, you know, reserved a house. One of the big things about going to view a house for me, my experience in the last two or three weeks, and again, I won't name names because I actually don't remember any of their names. So sorry if you are in some strange way listening to this podcast and you found your way to me again. But there was a huge difference in terms of how I received the information and then how I viewed the product they were trying to get across to me based on their own demeanor and how they were. You could tell instantly they really loved the team. They really loved what they were doing. They really enjoyed being in work that day. They'd been sent with all the information they needed. The difference between that and someone who's kind of just playing it a bit by numbers then kind of illuminated the whole product behind that one person. I kind of saw it through them. And You know what? You know. That will have trickled down. Mm. And it's not just what you say it's how you say it yeah now we are living in a world right now which is really dire mm. i think i don't think we've any of us have really recovered from covid no. i think we've lived in a couple of years of real fear now we've got cost of living crisis now in the uk we've got i don't even want to call it a government we've got some kind of shoddy shambolic load of egos from public school and uh, the far right trying to tell us, you know, what we're supposed to be doing and how much, you know, it's just life is not good. Mm. Life is not great. Life is not happy. And right now, what I'm looking for is, and what I what I crave for from communications is sunshine, mm. is happiness, is positivity. You know, you are not going to go and stand next to somebody who's looking grim and miserable and shuffling around. You want to stand next to somebody who looks happy and welcoming and friendly and bright. And how you communicate internally, this is so, so important, is in a positive, simple, easy, direct way. Because, yes, sometimes we do have difficult messages to put across. Sometimes we do have bad news to tell, but most of the time, if you're going to be communicating something, you want to do it with positivity. I call that, I know it sounds awful, but I call it sell, not tell. And there's a very big difference between selling something and telling something. Yeah. And it's a bit like, you know, you said just then, you know, when you're buying the house, you're not just buying that house, you're buying what people's perception of that house is or you're buying with a process that people perceive as a really good thing to do because you're getting positivity you're feeling positive about the decision you're feeling positive about exchanging money Mm. we feel better about receiving bad news if the majority of time we've been told by that same person that 
or, or vehicle that positive messages. And sometimes yeah. we'll get a negative message and we'll go, okay, that's awful. I could deal with that. And I can, you know, I can work that through. But if you're constantly getting a hum of a humdrum of very banal, factual, and not well thought out communications, then again, what is the point? Keep people's spirits up. Yeah. I mean, it's why we're, I'm going to stress, we're not a political podcast, um, but it's why, <laughs> it's why I think the current government's messaging is so poor because all it is, well, yeah, because exactly. Because they're usually just thinking about themselves. 100%. Um, and and manipulating us and doing their polls and working out what general um you know from their focus groups what people's opinions are and then just using words mm. that they think that we will respond to our conversation with uh, caroline at sunday times who obviously is a big follower and a vehicle for that message positive or negative she'll comment mm. on it and as you know sort of as political editor but i mean i, I think that's the thing isn't it that the, the more negative the message on a consistent basis, the more like you are to just go, oh, here we go again. I mean, there's mm. that, you know, I won't try and use an expletive, although we've kind of opened the door, the can of worms. I will be the person <laughs> that I'm, I'm now the sole individual to not throw one out there. I will do eventually. But the idea of the mm, sandwich, you know what I mean? The S yes. sandwich, the idea of like having the mm in the middle, but the sandwich is good news Praise. either side. That's a common analogy isn't it mm. that you kind of you know you bookend some bad news with two sets of good news and the bad yeah. news doesn't seem so bad if you see what I mean is I mean have you ever experienced or what do you perceive to be bad internal comms a bad internal communication strategy I mean don't name any names but have you ever been on the receiving end of some really bad internal comms have you ever heard of anything like that yes I think I think most people could say they've been on the receiving end of mm. bad internal comms I think it's terrible when people find out what's happening in their organization in a press release or in the mm. news. I think that's awful. Sometimes that has to happen because, you know, that you have to time announcements, particularly if they're sensitive from a stock market perspective or from a competitive perspective. Um, sometimes you do have to send out news externally without telling everybody in your organization that news is going out. However, there is no excuse for not sending out that same news at that same time within your organization. So your organization know that when that news is issued, they get the, the news at the same time. People are understanding, people have good common sense, but it's really bad when major news just is is just reported back to a workforce. That's That's pretty, pretty dire. That's shoddy, isn't it? I mean, as, you will know listeners and as you will know jackie i love a sporting analogy there's there's been a spate in the last 10 15 years of football managers being sacked on telly as in they don't yeah. know they've been sacked yet until they read it on you know a video printer and it's like oh i've been sacked have i well here i am in my office so you know i thought i was standing up for work and that's awful isn't it because i mean how is that then supposed to we talked about motivation how is that then supposed to motivate a workforce to kind of want to pursue a goal and a particular ambition if they know at any exactly. given moment they get the message can you think of a really well communicated to workforce that represent the values of their organization can you think of a workforce that is a very good communications tool because i can I get the sense this is a loaded question. I mean, because I, th no. I think it's a fairly obvious one. Well, I mean, you know, I think, you know, we've rightly pointed out, I think our team, you know, are communicating with fantastically. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but, but that's me kind of doing... Outside of us. Outside of us. That's a really, really good question, actually. 
I don't know. I mean, I, like this is the thing. You can certainly think of bad ones. I can certainly I can, think of bad yes, ones straight away. But can you think of a good one? Now, I can give you an example of a really go. good one. Go, go. John Lewis, the partners. That was something I was... I know a couple of people who have worked for John Lewis in the past. Someone I know very, very well, a really good friend of mine, has just started working um, on the SEO side of John Lewis. And she's had a, great, a brilliant first few weeks. And everyone I've spoken to, be it, you know, when they've worked for Waitrose, you know, on the sort of the, you know, consumer side of things and the retail side of things at John Lewis, or, you know, working in-house at John Lewis, doing a various thing, they've always had a very good experience. So for people listening to, because I know now that seeing the figures that you've been sending me, we're getting quite a lot of listeners that are coming from North America, from mm. Turkey. Hi, Turkey. Hi, Turkey. Yeah. Um... <laughs> great to hear from you, Turkey. Yeah. We've been getting some so, great listening figures from Turkey. Have. Thank you. Keep that up. We love I that. Love, I love Turkey. It's my <laughs> in the world um, <laughs> anyway so for those people who are listening in foreign climes john lewis is a big department store it's a, a chain of department stores and they've also got sort of spin-off brand called waitrose which is more about food and wine than it is about um all the general goods that you can get from a department store and the way and peter jones was another brand of john lewis as well and the way john lewis is run which is very different to normal companies is that they don't call their employees employees they call them all partners and all of the employees or partners have shares in john lewis so they feel already from day one a connected sense of not only am i working for this firm but i have a profit share in this firm mm. and everything that i do contributes to the success or the perception of this entity to its customer base so you'll find that you get stellar service from the guy who's stacking the shelves to the girl who's cleaning the floor, to the Dame Sharon who's running the organization. They will all treat the customer the same way. And I've I, genuinely, I've never had bad service in John Lewis. No, not me actually. they are all very motivated. They're all long time workers. They're all rewarded through the success of their own organization. And they know, so they're a really good example of mm. internal communications and working towards a common goal because not only do they have that i mean you could all i mean i could give every one of the employees in demosa share options and it probably wouldn't mean a thing to them other than maybe a tax liability but what john lewis does so very well is it keeps reinforcing to its employee base that they are all important that yeah. They have, they all have an imperative to serve a customer brilliantly because that will keep that customer coming back again and again and again. They have reward systems set into their communications. They internally recognize employees and, and workers and everything else. So that's another thing is recognition. We forget that in internal communications, that there is recognition as well. In Demoso, we have what is our recognition system? We have. Don't tell me. Come on. Because I got one when I when I first joined. <laughs> they are called uh, D D Dog. D Dogs. That's it. D Dogs. Oh, I, I tell you what. I wanted the grounds are swallowing me up then because it's such a great thing to get. <laughs> and you're keeping that in, Lyle. You're I remember exactly. Yeah, God, yeah. So that everyone will know just how my blank my mind went. No, because I remember when I got one. I actually remember where I what. This is so embarrassing. There the, you go. 
the, the Mozo team will be listening to this now and going, that is so <laughs> lame. But I remember where I was. I was I was interning, obviously, before I started freelancing and sort of doing doing this podcast and all sorts of other things with the Mozo. I was interning and I was in a theatre about to watch my wife um, do the play she was in. Oh, was time. that the Macbeth one? That was at no, Hamlet. It was Hamlet she was Hamlet, at. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. it. Hamlet with wonderful Serene, Serene McKellen. We haven't dropped that name yeah. yet. Just um, just a, I'm just going to drop that name in there. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, she's going to hate me for listening to this now. <laughs> the most exciting part i'd seen it twice already by the way so i just I, you know this wasn't my first time seeing it. the most exciting part of that night for me was like oh, oh my goodness i got a d-dog i'm so buzzing i can't believe it and i was like on a little internal communications <laughs> channel and i was like a d-dog for love for a great first week and some great written content i was like get in come on i'll have that um and yeah i think you're right i mean i as i've mentioned many times previously have since worked a lot of times in the performance industry worked a lot in the performance industry before i came to know and joined the mozo and I was a big advocate for that when it came to being in a cast or being part of the production, you know, sometimes to the detriment of my, you know, sort of experience in certain companies and casts, because, you know, you should also be in and of yourself, proud of yourself in any given day. But I was a big advocate and a big fan. And if I would ever direct a show in the future, I'm a big fan of going, you know what, you you were smashing it today. Well done. Even just a simple communication like that can go a very, very long way. You know, clear, you know, this is what I would like you to work on. But actually, when you were doing this, it was fantastic because then they're going away thinking, OK, I'm on the right track. And they're not they're never kind of in the midst of, oh, you know, is this and this working or this, this and this. And I, that was something that really played me when I was at drama school is that I wasn't necessarily getting that. And that's OK. That's kind of how they chose to do it. And that was yeah. their comms. I mean, I don't think they had an internal comm strategy at Royal Central School of Speech and Trauma because what? they were just breaking so it down. So many but... organisations don't. Yeah. You, know, you look at schools, do they really think about their internal comms amongst their teachers? Probably not. Well, that's the thing. I do try, and I think as a customer, uh, we I think we've talked about TripAdvisor and reviews, and I always yeah. write either really glowing reviews or really bad reviews. I, <laughs> I very rarely write the middle-of-the-road ones, and I do feel sorry if, for the I should I should write more middle of the road reviews um, <laughs> but I do try to be mindful of when something's really worked for me mm. to feed that back to the organization but how many times do you think that that organization feeds it back to that let's say it's a teacher maybe it's a teacher at my son's school and I say to head the headmaster that teacher's brilliant do we think that that goes back maybe that goes back to the teacher but do you think that said up to their peers do you think the headmaster no. goes hey you know we got you know, mr evans got a great pat on the back from arlo's mum because she's done the x y and z to help him yeah you know that's really good to hear from our parents and it's also never you said what? If that the was same me way as is teacher it? and i was being acknowledged in front of all of my peers i'd be like golden yeah and that's a beautiful part of internal commerce which is why i said it's really important to involve all different parts of the organization mm. like hr like front of house you know they're the people who if you've got a reception desk they're the people who need to know more really so that they can make sure that they can react and respond accordingly to what's happening um, absolutely right we can 100%. go on and on about internal comms i mean we? this is it i mean as ever we've kind of gone on a huge tangent. i mean the final question i was going to ask you actually is we kind of alluded to an episode of the podcast we've had previously on crisis communication that mm. we brought up the example of of the the company the business you work with on crisis comms and how clearly their successful internal comms strategy 
meant and internal comms mechanisms meant that when that crisis erupted if that's even mm. the right word they were all still very much sort of one voice one message and they were all still fairly positive about the ramifications of it this is probably a bit of a loaded question is weirdly an internal comms strategy also technically part of a broader crisis comms strategy if you have good internal comms does it feed into the rest of what you do outward facing i think just taking a step back from that then Mm. the reason that worked with that company was that their internal comms procedures and processes Mm. were well embedded widely used covered multiple touch points Mm. well controlled and well thought out yeah consistently updated that's another thing people put in place some internal comms and then just think oh, I've done that now. And then they don't update it and it can wither away. And it's kind of like when you start a social media channel for any company, you know, you can't just start a Twitter and make a few posts and then walk away from it and expect to get some followers. It's exactly the same principle when it comes to your internal communication systems. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Start with one channel and then build that out. Mm. So, you know, with us, with our D-Dogs, we we have our D-Dog Slack channel, which is basically somebody nominates somebody for a D-Dog and everyone goes clap hands or puts up a heart emoji or whatever it is that, you know, and then that nomination can transpire into actual physical cash as a bonus. If that has been a, you know, a good enough contribution, if that's a significant contribution to what we do, but that's a constant thing that hasn't fallen away, probably because everybody wants a bonus every now and again, so they're going to keep bringing it up. And that's interesting as well. You know, you, you want to keep people incentivized to keep the communications rolling. So just like with social media, you want to bring an element of engagement in the reason that our D-Dogs channel works so well is because everybody's engaged and part of it. Mm. So in larger companies, you could build committees that, you know, just could poll people and find out what, you know, how much they know about what's happening in the company. Do they feel that they're satisfied that they know enough? You know, it's constant check back and everything else. So yes, internal comms and the procedures that you have for them they are quite central to the a mitigation of a, a you know a crisis but you know you've just got to make sure that they are credible and good channels before you suddenly rely on them there's nothing worse than having a channel that's been set up not used for ages and then suddenly that being used for the bad news mm. so don't think about your internal comms being set up just in case there's a crisis you've got to do it anyway positive and reinforcement just, isn't it yeah yeah and if you just start with one one channel and i know i sort of dissed the newsletter but at least it's something that's it and if if you put together your content that has a little bit of recognition in it a little bit of new news a little bit of you know tidbits of information you might not know history sometimes that kind of thing spice it up don't make it really really boring don't make it too long because people haven't got time to read long form communications but sprinkle a bit of digital media in you know put a video in or put a you know put a, a joke of the week whatever quiz you know, quizzes you know your people quizzes polls you know your people find out from them what they'd like to hear and start the channel so once you started one channel then start to think about do we need another form of communication how are we doing our, our reward how are we doing our recognition 
and sort of layer it up from there. But start somewhere. When you start something, always have an objective. Have your objective, have your KPIs, measure it, make sure that it's relevant, make sure that it's working, because there's no point layering communication on communication on communication if it means nothing. Mm. So it is a process, it does take time, it does take application. And I'm not even an expert in this. These are just the basics. Yeah. There are people out there, we should maybe find one. Find well, yeah, um, internal comms guru, find an, anybody listening who is an internal comms guru, come on the podcast. Come on the pod. Yeah. Info at demoza.com, info at the Because I was going to also, I mean, we haven't really got time now, but maybe in a future episode of the podcast, when we get someone like this on uh, one of the episodes, you know, outsourcing this particular area of expertise you know, yeah. I and mean, getting people to come in and kind of refresh and 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 sort of revitalize an internal comm strategy is is a whole industry in and of itself oh my um, god you just filled me with loads of ideas because you've got i mean we're a generalist we're not even a generalist agency are we mm. we, we really are tech we are mobile yeah. we are games we are entertainment I mean, everything now has an element of that, element mm. of gamification and everything else. So we do find ourselves working in different industries, but there are specialist firms in lots of different things, in sustainable PR, green PR, in crisis comms, in internal comms. There are people who are absolute specialists who can come in and help you put together a program and can be dovetailed into what your, your existing yeah. comms are. I and some bigger organizations be... as well get coaches in as well don't they sometimes to sort of you know like sort of talk them through how to deal with stress and strains of work and that kind of mm -hmm. then is another part of a strategy an internal comm strategy from internal comms perspective uh when it comes to demozo and the podcast uh, demozo team if you're listening and i know you are uh nominations welcome uh, uh my uh <laughs> my second ever d-dog uh i think i might i might break the record for Are longest distance longest oh, distance between no. time wise <laughs> i think i might break the record you know how there's like you know for the avid sports fans listening you know distances between winning player of the month <laughs> that'll be me you know winning winning a d-dog sort of 15 months apart from each other but you know <laughs> nominations are open get them in while they're while they're hot well, Thing. rewards should be meaningful as well yeah. just handing things out like they're sweeties doesn't work either i'm not so... joking it really meant a lot to me i, I mean oh. i say it, i really did i was i remember being i think i was sat with my now mother and father-in-law at the time being like i've got this thing at work <laughs> i still don't really know what it means but i'm buzzing um i was, I was so excited i was absolutely chuffed with it um but yeah i mean we could go on and on and, and, and i'm sure we will do with with any and all guests we have on uh, from that particular area of pr but for now, I think we're going to call it there. Thank you so much, Jackie, for talking us through the wonderful world of internal comms, an often overlooked area of PR. I'm really glad we got to chat about it in such detail and, and hope we can sort of break it apart even more in, in future episodes. But as ever, listeners, if you want to get in touch, if you are an internal comms specialist and you want to come on the podcast, we would love to have you on. Or if you want to suggest another topic for us to discuss with any and all guests we have coming up, then drop us an email, info at demozo.com or info at therestispr.com. We will answer to both. And if you want to check out what we're doing with the podcast and head on over to our website, which I am still on episode 13, monumentally proud of and it, that is the rest is pr.com and if you just want to check out what demozo have been getting up to a very very busy time of year for demozo for everyone at the demozo team it is demozo.com for now from myself and jackie have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you are and we'll see you next week for another episode of the rest is pr bye for now bye.